0: Well hey everybody, welcome in to Timber Creek Church. All of our beautiful people at uh, the broadcast location and uh, our gentlemen at the Duncan unit and the Dieball unit, everybody online. Nacogdoches, Mount Enterprise and coming soon on Easter Sunday, Groves Campus Live. We can't wait for you to join us, Groves, at the live campus. Come on, let's welcome each other to church today. So glad to have you. We're jumping into this series called Good Intentions. Uh, many times we don't put tension in the, the positive column. It tends to be something that's, that's negative. But what I wanna invite you into is to understanding the, the healthy tension. Your body has healthy tension. If, if it weren't for healthy tension with ligaments and tendons, and you, you know, your, your body would kind of fall to the floor in just a mess. We, we need healthy tension. And this series uh, is the same name, but it's different content. So if you get the book, uh, just want to remind you that uh, 100% of the proceeds go right back into Timber Creek to launch our next location, and I wanna invite you into leaning into every single one of these weeks. We're gonna take this all the way up to Palm Sunday. I wanna help you get better. This culture deserves, this culture needs. Jesus has you right where he wants you in this culture for such a time as this to be able to be the kind of people that can navigate tension well and still show people who Jesus is. Life is full of tension. As we set it up, if you're just joining us, the truth is everyday life, you've got the real life and the ideal life. You got the the what you thought it would look like and then what it looks like. You got that space between the real and the ideal and you gotta navigate that tension. You got work life and home life. You gotta deal with what's going on with the boss, and then you gotta go home as a husband, deal with what's going on with the boss. (laughs) You know, you know how it is. You got wrong choices and right choices and the tension between the two, even though you know the right thing to do, sometimes that wrong thing to do is like, I know I shouldn't have done it, but I just, ah, it, you know, I just, I, I just couldn't help it, you know? And, and we deal with those, the tension between right and wrong, but also we deal with right and right, good, two good choices, and how do we navigate that? We need wisdom to navigate those, those tensions. Good news is, you're not alone. There's no model on this earth Uh, that will lead you to the absolute perfection other than one. His name is Jesus. And when Jesus comes onto the scene, leaves heaven for earth, I mean, think about that. He, from heaven to earth, what attention he had to manage. Jesus, when it came to living, he was completely human and completely divine, meaning that he would raise the dead and would also sweat. That he would uh, walk on water and be exhausted to the point where not even a storm would wake him up from the bow of the boat. He understood what it's like to suffer. He understood what it's like to mourn and grieve, to weep. Fully human and yet fully the son of God. 100% grace and 100% truth. Not an Arnold Palmer here of half and half. It was all grace, all truth. And one of the biggest tensions you and I will face, listen, you won't face this tension if, if, you're, if, you're, if, if Christianity isn't your thing and you happen to be here because you just came with a friend, you came with your spouse, but you're kind of, you got your own theories. I want you to know you don't have to do a thing about what I say. Maybe take a good nap. I hope that this is helpful for your rest. But as Christ followers, one of the big things we have to do, we can't recuse ourselves from this tension of who he is and how he acts and behaves. His conduct, character, and conviction and who we are becoming. Because the truth is he's still working on me and he's still working on you. And we haven't quite arrived. And there is that tension of who I was. So glad it's not who I used to be, but who I was is not who he's making me to be. And I'm keep, I, I want to keep on growing. And so when it comes to Christ followers, the tension that we're dealing with is his way versus our way. For us to Engage the culture around us and be in the world, but not of the world, to be able to navigate real life without being s- s- weird. Do you know that so many Christians? You know, people are turned off by Christians because a lot of Christians they're just weird. They're just goof. They're just weird. And like, thus saith the Lord, Jesus isn't weird. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And how do we become like? understanding the way of the word of God versus the way of the world. And in all throughout scripture from Old Testament, New Testament, we began to lay the foundation last week. If you missed last week's message, you can watch it online or download the podcast. But, but we really used this symbolism, the same way that we see Jesus all throughout scripture from Old to New Testament. We also see the world at work, the counterfeit world at work, through this imagery of Babylon the nation that is counter-cultural to God's nation, Israel, and how Babylon is mentioned 280 different times from Genesis to Revelation and how ultimately Babylon will take over the nation of Israel and take it captive, besiege, burn down Jerusalem, the capital city, and will will digest all of, of Israel and their territory, and it all becomes Babylon, and for 70 years, the Israelites will be held captive. You can read through the Old Testament and read some of this, but the book of Daniel specifically talks about the Israelites going into captivity. Last week we talked about chapter one and that was the entering captivity and in particular, Daniel and his three amigos, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that had other names, but this culture wanted to even uh, deal with their identity. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sound familiar. Identity are real issues that God cares about, so we should care about. And they enter captivity, foreigners in a new land, uh, from royalty back into the king's house, but not as royalty as slaves to the king. That's, Dan- that's Daniel chapter 1. Chapter 2, we'll see that because of the way they act in chapter 1, God gives Daniel and the three Hebrew children incredible influence in the government. Incredible influence with the king himself. And we could talk about chapter 2, but today we're going to gallop ahead and we're actually going to show up with these teenage boys that are ripped from their own homes, forced into slavery, into the king's court, and we're gonna show up 17 years later where they are in their mid-30s now, and they are coming face-to-face with an incredible tension, an incredible tension. The story unfolds like this. Culture says go, culture says go, this is the part of the story. God says no, (laughs) and maybe you've seen that. Culture says go, 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 and God is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Or slow. Or no. And how are we gonna respond when we deal with that tension that culture's saying, if you're not gonna follow me, you, you, you're the enemy. If you're not gonna say, go with me, then you don't really love. If you don't, if you don't say what I say, then, then you're not re- you don't really care. You, you're not with it. You're not, you're not aware of the, of the, get with the times, okay? Culture says go, and God says no. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are right there in the middle of this tension. Daniel chapter three, verse one. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide. That's 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura. In the province of Babylon. Out in a huge plain. Think of the Kansas plains. Not, 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 none of this deep based Texas. You know piney woods. As you, you can see for miles and there with the scaffolding and the ropes and the, and the two by fours and the construction around it. Finally, they've come to completion and they have this huge like, you know, purple royal uh, uh, a curtain over the whole thing. And they're going to christen it and pull the rope and they're going to do something really special with this golden image on the plain of Dura. He then... King Nebuchadnezzar summoned the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the advisors and the treasurers and the judges and the magistrates and all the other provincial officials. How many more? I mean, the, uh, re, the, the, the assistant to the regional manager. I mean, all of these people that he's inviting in. This is just, this is your government at work, everybody. Like, I don't know what's the difference between a magistrate and a judge. They don't know. We don't know. It's just Everybody. Everybody in the government, you show up. This is gonna be like this military parade. Everybody's marching. The band is playing. People are showing up. And Nebuchadnezzar is gonna give them some instructions as they're dedicating, christening the bottle of champagne on the image that he had set up. Situated in your mind. Everybody's showing up from all different tribes and languages, even the Jews that have been held captive for now almost 20 years. The Babylonians, the Jews, anybody else in any other territories that they have uh, held captive and indoctrinated into Babylon. Everybody gathers and they they pull the cord on the purple linen. And there is this gold image, almost, I mean, the sun blazing on it. It's almost hard to even take in. And, And in that moment, the herald gets up, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye he loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. Not just look at it, but you are commanded now to follow through with another action. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music. By the way, if you'd like to join our dream team, we're looking for some zither players. Anybody got a zither laying around? Everybody, all the music. I mean, can you can you see the symphony, the orchestra, the band? Everybody's gathered together. It's on this huge, like think of the National Mall, you know, in an inauguration of a president, and you've got massive scaffolding and and, and you've got the flute, you know. You're warming up. You got the person over here, click, click, you know, pulling out the old violin. That's a violin. Got the trumpets. Anyway, got the drums too. Everybody's getting everybody's getting ready. Okay. Now whoever does not fall down and worship at the sound of the band. Okay. I mean just go home. You're a party pooper. No anybody that doesn't bow down to the sound of the worship, you will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. You're gonna choose right now who you're gonna serve. You really don't have a choice. Unless you wanna die, that's your choice. Fall down, worship, or die. Therefore, as soon as they heard the music, all the peoples of every language even those same cousins and brothers and sisters and moms and dads and nephews and nieces and neighbors and relatives and associates of daniel shadrach meshach and abednego everybody that came into babylon every one of them fell down and worshiped the image of gold except out there into the distance Three lone trees. It stood strong. I want to unpack this story kind of inch by inch today. I want to remind you of last week. You can write it down in your notes that whatever God creates, God is a creator God. The very first thing we learn about our God is he's a creative genius. He's a creative genius. First book of the Bible, first verse of the first chapter, fifth word, in the beginning, God creates. And he's been creatively drawing us towards him ever since. God is a creator. He creates the first humans. He creates the garden, perfection. He creates them in innocence with no shame. And he says, you are free to move around this garden as much as you want. But there is a boundary line around this tree. Donate. God creates. He also creates boundaries. But then Satan counterfeits. Every time God creates, Satan wants to counterfeit something. And so what God says is you are free, but there is boundaries. See, God's freedom includes boundaries. Teenagers, listen to me. I know, I know, I I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Let me live my life, mom and dad. You don't understand. Like, you know, Tyler's parents let him stay up till 11. I mean, Blake's parents, they they don't even have a curfew. Yeah, Blake's flunking out, dude. Go for it. Boundaries are a beautiful thing in God's freedom. But see, Satan wants to counterfeit and then say, no, 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 real freedom is no boundaries. You can do whatever you want because you're God. You should should have the freedom. You can be wise. You can be as God. And so Satan's counterfeit of freedom is a freedom without boundaries, and that is bondage. Freedom without any boundaries is absolutely bondage in your life. Are you free to do some things? Yeah. Yeah but it's not wise to do everything. You need some boundaries, you need some limits. And Satan wants to counterfeit all that and say, oh, God's not a good God. He only wants to limit you. And yet God gave them every other tree. He says, just trust me on this one, just trust me. And so their births, a counterfeit relationship that begins with the enemy. And in this scripture, we can see this unfold too. Let me show it to you. In this story, we see counterfeit image building. God made us in his image. But now, what Nebuchadnezzar is wanting to do is say, hey, no, 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 you're gonna bow down to my image. And you and I, in this day and age, aren't bowing down to to gold statues. We're bowing down to cultural norms. We bow down to our own things that we're building in our own image. Now, that's not me, Pastor, image of Christ for me. Let me Let me tell you how you know if you are dealing with some counterfeit image bearing and image building, let me tell you how you know. If you're breathing, you're dealing with some counterfeit image building. If you're alive, you're dealing with it. In fact, think about it this way. Um, If who you seem to be is not who you really are all the way down, then there's a little bit of counterfeit in there. I have a little bit of counterfeit. I've got some stuff that the Lord's still working on me all the way down. I've got some insecurities. I've got some some prides. I've got some hurts, habits, some hang-ups. And what can happen is we want to send the image of who we want people to see us as, as who we really are. And we cover ourselves just like Adam and Eve with fig leaves. Fig leaves of appearance, fig leaves of promotion, fig leaves of prominence, fig leaves of this and that and the other, and we set up our image building. Social media is an incredible scaffolding for image building. Let's show the life that I want it to look like with the filter on and with only these things and I'm not going to show all the other stuff, but when I do show the other stuff, I'm going to do it in a way that like everybody comes to my aid in that moment. And basically just, you know, comforts me instead of gives me truth. Have you, have you seen this on Facebook at all? I don't even know why it's like not even worth it anymore. Oh girl, you got this instead of saying, Hey, let's go grab coffee. Let's talk, you know, just kind of meeting people instead of where they need to be, where they are. And we can counterfeit image build. Let me keep going. There's counterfeit worship in this whole thing. You will bow down. Worship isn't forced. God's not gonna force you to worship. You know at Timber Creek Church, we're not gonna force you to have worship look a different, a certain way that you, everybody's gotta raise their hands or everybody's gotta bow on their knees. I mean, a free church, if this, this, ain't, a, if this ain't a free church, I mean, we, you gotta be dancing like David danced in the Bible. Well, he was dancing naked. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that here. I wouldn't do that here. That's called jail. I'm just telling you. We love you. It's a church anyone can come to and get arrested in. (laughs) But like this worship, like if you're forced to worship, God's not going to force you to worship. Choose this day who you will serve. What can happen though is we start wanting to build our own ideas of what real worship should look like. And so we start comparing one church's worship versus another church's worship. And we say, I didn't get anything out of that worship. Never asking, did God get anything out of your worship? Versus what you get out of it. Well, what about God getting out of it? Because it's all about God anyway, not you. It's, it's glad surrender and extreme sacrifice. That was, that's what worship is. Real worship is freely given, not forcefully demanded. And he's not, gonna, he's not gonna forcefully demand that you do anything. He didn't put a fence of fire and barbed wire around the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat the fruit, but I'm not gonna keep you from it. Because really, it isn't, about the fruit. It's about who you're going to worship, Adam and Eve. Who are you going to surrender to? Who are you going to be truly dependent upon? You or your image of wisdom, your image of what's pleasing, your image of what should be. In this story, we're dealing with counterfeit evangelism. People are getting converted. Oh, you better believe it. I mean, they had never bowed down before a gold statue before, but when the music started playing, boom, <laughs> boom. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation started bowing except three. Why? Because the heat was on. Because it was like turn or burn, literally. And so they were forced into becoming becoming followers of idol worship or risk death. And this culture is doing the same thing. This culture is doing the same thing, everybody. It's, it's, it's imposed versus proposed. And what can happen is this culture wants to impose on you their beliefs, their truth, their way of life. And if you don't, if you don't take on that way of life, you may not be thrown into the fire, but you will have cancel culture all over you. If you don't surrender to the norm of the day, you're canceled. You are dragged through the mud. Your name is diminished. You're picketed, you name it. Cancel culture is the way that you will bow. And this is the way this culture wants to evangelize for their God, counterfeit God, versus a proposal. And you see, we get it twisted, we get it all messed up. And, and can I tell you one of the most important things? Let, let, let me give you the next one and then I'll tell it to you. When it comes to proposed, Jesus is inviting those who wanna come, come. You wanna drink the water, drink the water. You want me, you can have all of me, all that you want, I'll give it to you. But I'm not gonna make you drink. I'm not gonna force you to bow. It's your choice, you can live. If you can live without me, you will. If you can't live without me, you won't. He doesn't force you on, onto him or him onto you. So his proposal is with a conversation. He has conversations with the disciples and he selects them and invites them to come with him. He, it's not a cult. They're not forced into it. It, it. It's not brainwashing. You get to choose. You can walk away as quickly as you started walking with him. It just depends on what you're going to do as far as who you're going to worship. In this conversation, I, I will also add that I thought of between services. It's not just conversation. It's demonstration. When you can't have a conversation, you demonstrate it by your character. It demonstrate by the spirit of God Demonstrate it by the supernatural activity of God alive in your life. You may not be able to have a conversation about it, but you can demonstrate it. But see, cancel culture and conversations, the the, the truth is um, there's this big push. If you want to have a healthy conversation with someone, start with defining terms. Start with defining terms. You want to have a conversation with someone who is woke. You got to understand what do they define woke as? What do you define woke as? Someone who defines themselves as conservative or liberal. What, what do you mean by that? Explain what guides you. Someone who says, I am a Christ follower. Okay, where does the word of God play into being any foundation in your life? Because I can say I'm a Christian, but if the, fo- if the word of God is absent from the decisions that I make, the word of God became flesh, Jesus is the word to follow. And if I'm not following the way he says to walk, I'm really not following Christ. I just became a Christian. I just born into a Christian home. Just like some of you just born into uh, a home that's Democrat, born into a home that's Republican. If we started really talking about issues and things, there would be some of you that could lay them out. Others of you, you're just doing what you do because you've always done it. And we can't have conversations because you, you, you on both sides, we just say, hey, la, 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 la. We can't converse. Next week, I'm gonna talk about how, how do you have real conversations of depth and meaning about religion and politics. <laughs> what? Those are two things you shouldn't talk about, religion and politics. Yeah, that's what's gotten us to a bunch of crap already. It's because we can't talk about stuff anymore. We can't just have a conversation with people anymore. We can't, you're right, we can't. Because we're fear of being canceled, so here's what happens. We are self-censoring or we're we're total canceling and people are dying without truth. We got to figure out how to have some conversations around some tables again everybody. Counterfeit evangelism is on the move. Counterfeit faith and fear. Oh, these people had faith. <laughs> they had faith that Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw them into the fire. They had fear that if they didn't bow down, they were going to die. So they had faith and fear. But can I tell you as Christians we ought not be in not of the world even though we're in the world we shouldn't be responding to issues the same way the world responds to issues there's a greater hope there's a there's a greater foundation there's a there's a there's 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 someone greater than us even when hell knocks on your door even when you go through stuff that nobody should ever have to go through. I, I've, 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 I've scanned the audience already and I see people that have lost so much just this last week. People have lost their children this last year. Stuff you should never have to say goodbye to. I should never have to preach a sermon when there's pink and unicorns on the back screens. But we live in a broken hurting heart terrible world and it can I mean it can rattle you with fear and it can like paralyze you it can push you away from God there's so many people that you're starting to come back to church but what what got you out of church is things started getting crazy and that was the best time for you to lean in instead of lean away that's okay you're back and I'm glad and this is a safe place to re-engage everyone But let me say something about fear and faith. Fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. When you live your life in fear, you are living your life in faith of the wrong kingdom. Of the wrong kingdom that's gonna provide for you. The wrong job that is gonna be your source. The wrong significance that is not where you find significance and identity. When you operate in fear, you are operating in counterfeit faith in the wrong When the announcer gets up on the, on the big microphone, ladies and gentlemen of Babylon, 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 let's get ready to worship. Bow. And in this moment, things get lit. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Here next week too, everybody. Because everybody bows and there the three lone trees in the plains of Dura are, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're standing strong. And I wonder if, if you know, uh, Larry next to him says, Rack, Shaq, Benny, did you not hear? Get down, dude. Larry, we love you, man, but we can't. This is where we draw the line. This is where we we draw the line. We try to honor the king. This is where we draw the line. Sure enough, word gets back across that plain, back to Nebuchadnezzar, who's sitting there. Everybody's bowing, worshiping. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar is the best. And he's like, yeah, that's me. Word gets back. Your majesty has issued a decree, but there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. These are leaders, okay? These are leaders of leaders, Nebi. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they pay no attention to you, your majesty and your majesty. Hey, by the way, do you know how people can get their counterfeit, like their own counterfeit way is they want to exaggerate everything. Well, a lot of people are saying, Pastor Jeremy, no, you're saying don't, don't bring everybody else into this. Own your own stuff. There's a whole lot of people that really feel this way. Own it. Stand on your own two feet. Don't have to bring anybody else into this thing. But I love how this culture wants to exact. Everybody's doing. This is whole, all the people. Like, you know, they pay no attention. They, if they hadn't paid any attention to them, they wouldn't be in leadership positions across the province. They had proven themselves for 17 years. Sure enough... Furious with rage, because Nebuchadnezzar was just like all about him, he summoned Rakshak and Benny to the royal palace. Is it true, guys, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Here's what's interesting. In Daniel chapter one, in Daniel chapter one, they ask, can we eat our food because we have certain faith systems, and can you respect that? And guess what? In Daniel chapter one, they say, Okay. But by Daniel chapter three, you better bow down to the way we say. Then by Daniel chapter six, it is now against the law, and you're going to be thrown into a, the lion's den. Do you? Th- How do you think our culture's progressing? How do you think our co- can we have permission to meet? Yeah, we still got a ton of freedom in the United States of America. You think we're still living in Daniel one? I would say we're not quite to Daniel chapter six, where we will be thrown into the into the lion's den. But baby, if you think we're not on the journey to Daniel 3, you you are blind. You're blind. That's why we need to be strong and good in tension. Because it's coming. More and more. But Jesus is always still on the move. (sighs) And when you hear the sound of all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, I'm going to give you a second chance here because I'm cool. I'm Nebby. Okay, very good. But... If you do not worship, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Do, I, do, do you understand? Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Counterfeit God. Counterfeit God with all the power. Who's going to rescue you? It's not in your notes. I wish I would have put it in your notes Will you write it down. King Jesus is always in charge of whoever is in charge. He's going to have the final say. He's going to have the final say. And it may not feel good, but God is good. And you'll have the final say no matter what you're going through. So here's the key tension for today as we wrap up and we get into this whole moment of the fire. Can I still worship God? That's a question for you and a question for me. So ask yourself, can I still worship God? Even when I don't get the life I really wanted. When I was cheated on, when I was abused, when I was wounded, when I was hurt, when I got looked over for the promotion, when I have that disability and, and, and it keeps me from, and when I have that issue and I can of still worship God when I don't get the life I wanted. It's hard, but I want you to imagine Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego being ripped from royalty, castrated, meaning they could not have kids. Growing up to serve one family, the family of the king. No future, no lineage, no kids, no grandkids. Can I still stand strong when the heat gets up? Can I still worship God when I haven't had the life I wanted? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not living the life that was like the ideal life. But they are still serving a real God in real life. Just had this message come across our messenger this last week. I changed the profile picture, but How can God let happen to that sweet little girl talking about Audrey who was found in the Trinity River? I was raised to believe, why does he not intervene for children? I'm struggling right now. He should intervene when it comes to our children. Who is there protecting Audrey? Please help me understand. Goes on to say, it's hard to worship a God that lets that happen. I know, it can be. And you're gonna have to face that tension. Did I sign up to be a follower of Jesus for everything I could get from him so that everything's good and he's my, my rabbit's foot and my four leaf clover? Or if I bow a knee to the king of the universe that is king and I don't understand his ways and his ways are higher and I don't understand everything that happens in this fallen world and broken world and it isn't fair and it hurts and people bleed and children die. Innocent people suffer. Can I still say, okay, God, I'm still gonna have to lean on you because I cannot be my own God here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves. Isn't that a novel idea? Can I tell you one of the biggest starters of conflict and the thing that fans into flame conflict in your life with your marriage, with your family, with your kids, with your boss, with the Republicans, the Democrats, Democrats, the Republicans, everybody in between, you know what starts the most like, you know, conflict? Oxygen. The more oxygen you give it, it's just It fans into flame. I love this. We don't need to defend ourselves because guess what? It don't matter what they're gonna say anyway. They recognize it, the line's in the sand. We don't have to defend you ourselves. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, he's able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. That's our God. He will, he will deliver us. And that's a, that's a preach moment. But real moment is the next line. And it's the next line that you and I are gonna have to figure out in this long life, everybody. But even if he doesn't, Even if he doesn't deliver us, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Can you look at this? Your majesty, we will not serve your gods. There is an absolute defiance. We're not gonna serve, we're not gonna bow along with still respecting We got to figure out in this tension how to be respecting without relenting, that we can respect an opinion. We can respect someone. We can respect them and their journey without relenting, without saying that, okay, well, I'm going to then like diminish my own beliefs and my own values based on the word of God because that's the ultimate foundation. It's not what Jeremy thinks. It's, it's not what a denomination thinks It's what is the final authority of your life going to be? Cause it's going to be something. And I want to suggest to you that God would have it be his word, that his word, the God <laughs> breathed word would be the final authority in your life. And for some of you, that's going to mean some change <laughs> who are we kidding for all of us. That means some change. So, Nebuchadnezzar was so ticked off. That's the new Gen Z version. He was so ticked off. His attitude toward them changed. (laughs) You used to be people, you used to be part of my posse. Now now I'm ticked. So he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army. Strongest soldiers to tie them up and throw them into a blazing furnace. Why the strongest? They They aren't even fighting back. Sure enough, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers, the strongest soldiers, who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Can I just show you something now? Uh, I don't want to be like a spoiler alert here, but spoiler alert, they're going to make it out. They're going to make it out, okay? Okay. And we love that big, huge crescendo miracle moment, but don't miss the miniature miracle. Some of you are looking for the big miracle at the end and you miss the miniature miracle. They didn't die right at the front. The rest of the soldiers, strong soldiers died. They didn't. God was already protecting them. Do not think that your definition of what real freedom looks like is the only way that God's going to move in your life. He is going to create ways. You've got to be able to wake up and go to bed. And you've got to find a systemic way that you can count the ways. You can count the ways that he is blessed and be thankful and grateful. This is the power of having a little bit of time with God every single day because you're able to see the many miracles in between that Today, I'm still standing. Today, I'm still serving. Today, it don't look very good, but God is still good. It don't look like everything is gonna work out the way I thought it was gonna work out, but I can trust the Almighty God even right now. You gotta take note of the many miracles. So let me wrap up. Three ways my faith has developed, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and goes, and we can learn from this. So the first one is this. When I'm delivered from the fire, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and like like that's not what happened for them. Nebuchadnezzar didn't change his mind and deliver them from the fire; he was going to put them through the fire. And there are people that your faith is developed when you're delivered from the fire. So when the diagnosis comes, my friend Jackie with a diagnosis of a of a brain tumor, and then a few weeks later the report comes back and the tumor's gone, and the doctors can't explain it and God's been good and wow, what we thought was gonna happen didn't happen and whoa, won't he do it. When I'm delivered from the fire, my faith is built. When my friend Kara, deaf, getting ready to put in implants, goes to a little camp and these kiddos pray over her and her ears supernaturally pop open and doctors Auditory specialists confirming way below death, yet now is above normal for the last two years. Still remains above normal on her ability to hear. My faith is built. Thank you, Jesus, in those moments. Both of those stories out of our own church. And there comes times where my faith, I'm delivered through the fire. Where the diagnosis comes, but yet I still have to walk through chemo. And I still have to go through the struggle, and the divorce is final, and the wound is real, what can happen is my faith can be purified in that, that it's refined through the fire. My friends, the Craigers, this last week dealt with a fire. Day three, my friend Stephanie put on Facebook, Sunday, I purchased a book that my pastor, Jeremy Yancey, (laughs) shameless plug, (laughs) wrote. I began reading the first chapter and came to a section that spoke to my heart. Little did I know that two days later, I would be living it out. Here was the piece that she posted on Facebook. This is what she was living out. Consider the beautiful sound generated by an expert guitarist. The strings are stretched taut. Each one has its level of tension. The guitarist's fingers work their way across the strings, adding tension here and there, making the instrument Sing. Now imagine that guitarist is Eric Clapton playing his song Tears in Heaven. It's a hauntingly beautiful sound, all the more heartrending though, when we realize he composed it in response to the death of his four year old child. Not only are Clapton's fingers working with the tension of the instrument to produce sound, but as a songwriter, he has created an exquisite ballad based on his own personal tension. The tension that Stephanie and Don Wayne were going through was their house, their home was completely burned down. And in the middle of all this, on day three, she's writing, we live in tension, some good and some bad. This tension right now is not good. But she goes on to say, but I know at just the right time, God will allow us to create a beautiful ballad to share with others. Your fire doesn't have to, Define you, but your fire can refine you. Your fire doesn't, I say that again, your fire doesn't have to define you, but it can refine you. Finally, we get to the point where there are those of us that you're going to be delivered by the fire, that the prognosis is there, the diagnosis, the treatment. The cancer doesn't retreat and death is reality. And when you're delivered by the fire, what happens to your faith? Does it mean you had weak faith? This is the problem of the prosperity gospel. We don't get that God uses all things. Not all things are good. Hey, all things are, you know, God, God, everything has a purpose. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Terrible things happen without reason. But God's purposes can be served and good can be found in the middle of the hell on earth. What happens when my faith is delivered, when, when I'm delivered by the fire, it's my faith is perfected. It's that finally I come face to face with the one that I do worship, that I am building my image after, that I do want to have faith in and, and a holy fear of, that I, I am now face to face in my faith. in what I can't see, I no longer have faith. I have Pure knowledge and joy because he is who he says he is. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He went through the fire. and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him, everybody, who endured such opposition that when you go through the fire, you don't have to be weary and lose heart. The three Hebrew children, that's what they went through. He said, look, Nebuchadnezzar, as they were thrown into the fire, four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed. The fourth looks like the son of the gods. They fell in there. They got up and said, Shadrach, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Meshach, I'm seeing what you're seeing. Are you burning up? No, are you burning up? No. The, the ropes were burning. Look at her. Look, it's God. He's the son of the living God. And I don't know if they started singing a praise song. Celebrate, Jesus, Celebrate. Or if they were singing, we didn't start the fire. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar is is dumbstruck. He approached the opening of the blazing furnace. Service of the most high God, come out. Come here. This is crazy. So Shackrach and Benny, they came out of the fire. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. I can't go to Cafe Del Rio without leaving smelling like fajitas. <laughs> and there was no smell of fire on them. As we end today, there's this big counterfeit. There's one, this little tiny counterfeit here that happens with Nebuchadnezzar. And it's this. Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to God. He lifted his hands. Praise be to your God who rescued, sent his angel and rescued his servants. Wow. Listen to his worship. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. I mean, I decree it. People of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, no, don't do that. Like, let's turn our eyes upon him. I need to bow down, tear down. He could have said, tear down this image. Tear it down, I've been wrong. Time and time again, he's proven himself faithful. But it was counterfeit. Because it resulted in him saying, "Ah, I'm gonna be cut into pieces, their houses, and be turned into piles of rubble, if you defy their God, in other words, Don't forget, I'm the one that still has all the power. I'm the one that holds all the keys. It's a counterfeit surrender. And you can come in and I can come in and we can lift our hands in worship and we can pray our prayers and we can sing our songs. And really, we haven't truly surrendered the power and the trust to him. So, what's the anti-venom? What's the antidote? What's the answer to all this counterfeit stuff? What's the real thing? You know, you know they don't train tellers to understand what counterfeit is. It's just that they deal with the real thing so much, they know what counterfeit is. It means you gotta deal with the real stuff. Build your image on him. Worship, let him be your guide. Have a ha- healthy faith and fear of him surrender completely. Last thought. Here we are. A greater freedom is usually only found. You want to find freedom? It's usually only found on the other side of a fire. So all locations, listen to me now. We're going to pray. Without moving around, without all of a sudden clicking and shifting gears, some of you are going through fire you've been announced there's a fire coming, or it looks like you're gonna be delivered by the fire. God sees you, he hears you, he knows you. If I could answer why Audrey wasn't rescued and I gave a reason why it happened, Having an answer wouldn't change the pain. But he is the one that can wipe tears away. And he can give us hope and joy in the middle of when your house burns to the ground. Would you pray with me at all locations, Father, for those going through fire? for those that need to stand up in the middle of this compromised culture. One more time, we come into this place and we surrender to you. Be our Lord, be our God. Forgive us for building our own image. Forgive us for worshiping and giving our our focus on the things that don't really matter. Lord, I pray over marriages, families, children, decisions, wounds, habits, holdups, hangups. May we see you and put our eyes on you. You will never leave us or forsake us and your mercy is new today, even in the middle of the fire. Would you receive it now? Would you receive his grace and his mercy? Would you receive his, his presence into your life today? Oh, he's good, everybody. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.